All right, everyone, if you want to come on in and grab a seat, we're going to get started with our time of teaching. Um, if you guys are new, my name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here at Restored. Uh, if you are new, welcome. Um, and if you are new, by the way, I just want to let you know that we are in a series right now called The Holy Spirit. And uh, it's a teaching series on the Spirit of God, uh, the part of the, the church history uh, the Christian God has been referred to as the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And today we're focusing in uh, not, only on, on the, not only in on the Holy Spirit, but on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that really is a lamp unto our feet. Thank you that you reveal things to us. Things that we would not know on our own, but things that we desperately need. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd reveal things to us today about you, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about how through the Holy Spirit we can make much of Jesus in a way that blesses the people around us and leads us into abundant life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, over the last year or so, I have had to do a ton of reading on psychology. Uh, as I prepare to uh, probably go to grad school, I realized that my favorite kind of psychology is personality psychology. And personality psychology is essentially the psychology around what makes a person unique, okay? So kind of what combination of factors created the unique person that I'm sitting with at any given moment, and how is each person different and unique from others? Like, how are you unique to the person next to you? Uh, what is it in your personality or personhood that is distinct? And so um, it, here's the, the, the reality is that we are all uniquely, fearfully, and wonderfully made, but many of us cannot see it. We often think we're too messed up or that what we can contribute is too small or not good enough. And that breaks my heart. Um, one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is to help draw dreams and callings out of people. To help them discern what God is calling them to and what's getting in the way of it. As a matter of fact, my desire to study and to go to grad school is to actually to help people heal from the things that would keep them from walking in their unique God-given callings. Again, as I do pastoral counseling with people, I provide spiritual direction. Currently, I'm always asking, who is the beautiful person made in God's image hiding beneath the sin and the wounds that exist from living in a fallen world? Because the reality is this. According to Scripture, there's a unique masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works right underneath the pain and the sin and the dysfunction and the wounds Again, people, people often can't step into that because of a struggle, whatever their calling is. They, they struggle to, to step into that calling because of a struggle with sin or addiction, because of wounding or trauma, and it keeps them from living out their unique God-given calling. As a matter of fact, part of, I think it's part of the gospel, part of why Jesus came into this world is to set us free from sin and death that we might walk into who we were originally designed to be. He came to reverse the effects of the fall. And so I love watching people discover the good, unique person under the marring and scarring of the fall. And I love to help bring that person into the light so they can experience abundant life and others can experience Jesus' love through them. I think it's the best. Now, you don't, uh, you don't help people heal from trauma or get freedom from addictions by using personality psychology. But what I love about personality psychology is that you get glimpses, again, of this unique person beneath the trauma and addiction. Does that make sense? 
Now, one of the funnest parts of personality psychology is the tests. We love the tests. Most of us hate tests, but we love a personality test. What Harry Potter character are you? You probably know because you did a test, right? BuzzFeed, I think, made like $5 billion just on these types of dumb tests. Now, there's some real ones t- with research behind them. Um, and, uh, but again, I love these things. Some of the, some of the most famous ones are um, the Big Five inventory. Have you guys ever heard of this? The Big Five. Uh, it's a report questionnaire that measures five broad dimensions. Oh, the Big Five in South Africa are like the lion, the rhinoceros, the elephant. That's a totally different vibe. We're going to get to one kind of like that, though, in a second. Don't you worry. Um, but the Big Five looks at things like neuroticism, extroversion, openness, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. It definitely helps you see the way that you relate. Uh, the, another one's called, uh, I've taken before, it's called uh, a WASP, a worker style assessment. Uh, it's a type of assessment that's used to identify an individual's work style, preferences, and strengths in the workplace. Um, it's designed to help individuals and organizations um, gain insight into how different people approach work, how they might work in a team together, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the third, my personal favorite, it's, it's kind of old school. It's very Gen X, uh, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the MBTI, kind of the granddaddy of these things. Um, it's a, uh, again, it looks at extroversion, introversion, sensing intuition, thinking, feeling, judging, perceiving, looking at your preferences and the ways that you show up. Uh, one of the goofiest ones I've ever come across of, I've come across is, uh, it's the marriage animal assessment by a counselor named John Trent. Uh, it describes four personality types and relationships, lions, otters, golden retrievers, and beavers. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't remember anything about that assessment, but I do remember that I'm an otter. And so my main takeaway from that assessment was that otters rule, all right? And then there's, there's one more. It's possibly demonic, weirdly helpful, with a strange set of origin stories you might have heard of called the Enneagram. Relax. It's, look into it. It's weird. I don't know. I'm not making a call either way. I think it's helpful, but if you get too into it, it's, it's not good for you, okay? Um, just like anything. Um, it's designed to show you the broken parts of yourself so you can grow into maturity and understand what's motivating you, maybe empathize with others, maybe become self-obsessed. Again, how you use it, real importance. Now, here's the thing, and all these tools, all these things are doing, sorry, here's the thing. All these tools are doing a similar thing, even the Enneagram. And this is why we love them. It's because we long to know and understand ourselves. Uh, the, uni- the unique way God has created us to show up in the world and how we might steward that calling or uniqueness. And one aspect of our uniqueness is what I want to talk about today. The Bible says that when we become followers of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit gives us powers or talents. And these are called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Um, it, it's God manifesting him, his love and his presence through you. Manifestations of grace. Like as you walk in, there's gifts that come with you. And so today what I want to do is spend time exploring what spiritual gifts are and how we can use them. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift, whether you're aware of it or not, or you're using it or not. So if you guys are ready to get started, let's get a couple of these. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is this, is, is kind of what are spiritual gifts. Uh, and, and my first point is this, spiritual gifts are the abilities and talents given to us by God the Holy Spirit to serve others and help them tangibly experience Jesus' love. Again, spiritual gifts are the abilities and talents given to us by God, the Holy Spirit, to serve others and help them tangibly experience Jesus' love. 
read um, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. There's a lot of New Testament teaching on spiritual gifts. We'll look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 7 right now. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. So so there's one Spirit giving everyone the gifts, but what those gifts are are different. Verse 5, there are different ministries, but the same Lord. Now, again, ministry often is a word that gets jacked up in America because we have um, like non, we have 501c3 nonprofit organizations that get named ministries. Uh, in the hyper-charismatic Pentecostal world and Bible-teaching radio world, people have, like, my name ministries, like Andy Rogers Ministries, right? And it's a, uh, it's kind of a, it's, 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 I think people think often in the West of ministries as platforms. Ministry in Greek means service. That's why in places like England, uh, they have the Ministry of Defense, not the Department of Defense, the Ministry of Labor. It's, it's the, you're serving the community. Verse 6, it says, and there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. So there's unique gifts, there's unique people. Again, but the same Spirit is giving these gifts. Verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Now, I want to park in verse 7. The gifts are for the good of others. They're ways to serve other people. They're not ways to build a platform. Okay? Think washing feet. Don't think private jets. Okay? Don't think huge social media profile. Think unknown, beautiful acts of service in the developing worlds. Think Mother Teresa. Don't think Benny Hinn, all right? First uh, Peter 4 hits this as well. First uh, Peter 4, verses 10 to 11 says, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. Again, it's about serving others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And so these gifts exist to serve others, and they exist to bring Jesus glory. They point to Jesus. I missed amen, all right? Amen. So again, the gifts exist to serve others, and they exist to point people to Jesus. Uh, In the Pentecostal tradition, they talk about things called sign gifts, which are miraculous gifts, healings, prophecy, tongues, word of knowledge, all that good stuff. Now, whether you believe in that stuff or not doesn't really matter for today's purposes. What I want to say, we do as a church, but what I want to say is the idea of a sign gift is a helpful one because sign gifts point to someone else, okay? Okay. Um, uh, our family, the last couple summers, um, our kids love swimming. They love the pool. And so the last couple summers, we've gone to Palm Springs for a week. We get an Airbnb house, and they just basically live in the pool and then until about 1130. And then at about, until about 5, they, you know, AC, we all take a nap, and me and Jack hang out, and they watch, we all nap, basically. They take, watch shows, whatever, 40, whatever. They, they do stuff indoors. And then, and then, um... Around five, they go back out, you know, kind of time pool party. And uh, now here's the thing. On the way to Palm Springs, it's not great. Like, some of it's kind of pretty. There are some mountains, but there's a lot of places, there's a lot of towns you drive through that are like drive-through towns. Like, someone lives here, but I'm glad it's not me. There are people who live here made in the image of God. They are, they are worthy of love, dignity, and respect. 
and I'm glad I'm not one of them in this place, okay? Um, now, as you drive, there's signs that point to Palm Springs, okay? And when you see it, you go, thank God, we're close, okay? And, uh, and again, now what would be weird is, is to do an hour and a half, hour, 40-minute drive and then get to a sign that says Palm Springs that way and then to go, kids, get out of the car. Let's take a picture. Let's go. Let's make some memories. We've got a sign here. Check it out. You guys want to run around? You guys want to play some games? Clive, you want to skateboard? Let's do this. Let's do this. About 10 minutes and then drive home, right? Why? The sign's not designed to be an attraction itself. It's designed to point to someone else. So when someone uses their spiritual gift, it's a sign. The point isn't the sign. The point is what it points to. The only inherent value a sign has is that it informs you about another thing outside of itself. And so when we use our spiritual gifts, they're not to make us look good or smart or spiritual, or powerful, or really into Jesus, they make people go, wow, Jesus. Like when you're done being ministered to by someone, you should go, Jesus is so good to me. You shouldn't walk away going, oh, this person, just them. You should go, God, thanks for using this person. Um, we'll jump back to 1 Corinthians 12, 11. says, one and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. And so this gets into how we receive the spiritual gifts, which is my second point. Spiritual gifts cannot be earned. We receive them as a gift. Spiritual gifts cannot be earned. We receive them as a gift. You're like, dude, they're gifts. Of course you receive them as a gift. I know that, but we know we all like to turn grace into a really sad thing. We always want to earn stuff. Um, the Greek word for um, spiritual gift is charismata, which basically means gift of grace. The Greek word for grace is charis. You guys might know that. Uh, and so it's a manifestation of grace. So we receive grace that we don't deserve. It's, it's a gift. I have been given some wild gifts in my life. And there's been times where I've thought to myself, it's too much or no, or I want to give this back. And spiritual gifts can be that way. But what you need to know is, is again, is you didn't earn it. Um, I don't know about you. When I receive my paycheck, um, I am often am grateful to God that I've received the check. And if you get paid at your employer, I'm sure you go, uh, I'm sure there's often, hopefully there are times you go, God, thank you for giving me the abilities and the job and the skills and the connections to, to have the job I have. Um, what I've never done is called HR and said, I can't believe your generosity. I cannot believe that you just thought of me last day of the month. You just put this, you put this money in my account, man. What got into you? Right? I, I can't believe it. It's too much, right? Um, and no, what you would do is like, no, I worked for this. Like, it's, again, it's a salary I've agreed to work for. Uh, I have worked for this. I, in some sense, deserve it because it's, uh, you know, workers worth his wage, whatever. I have done the work, and so I'm now being compensated for the work. That's not what spiritual gifts or salvation is like. They are gifts. Like, you, you can't afford it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You didn't do enough. And you've been connected to Jesus. You've been connected to God the Father by faith in Jesus. You've been connected to the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus. And then he gives you a ton of new great stuff. In the gospel, you get a new father and a new identity and a new family and new gifts, new spiritual gifts. And so Jesus purchased your spiritual gifts on the cross when he died for you and reconciled you to God. 
He made it possible. All we do is go, I'm willing to let you put something in my hands. Number three, um, here's another reality with spiritual gifts. There are different types of spiritual gifts, and everyone has at least one. There are different types of spiritual gifts, and everyone has at least one. Um, I'm going to read very quickly through three passages of Scripture that list the gifts. In your GCs this week, uh, you will be working through definitions of the gifts and then thinking through which ones you might have. Um, For today's purposes, it would be very long. Okay, I, I go long sometimes. It would be very long if I read through all of them. I will define a couple of them that I think are misunderstood or uh, it'd be helpful. Um, but as I read through these passages, what I want you to know is, is that most scholars don't believe that these lists in Scripture are exhaustive. Meaning, there isn't less than these gifts, but there's probably more. And again, if you think about spiritual gifts, not as, you know, ESP psychic powers, but as, uh, is it ESP? Is it? Okay, yeah, yeah. ESPN, I don't know. I, I get it going. But If you think about them as manifestations of grace, there are a lot of ways to help someone experience the grace of God, basically, through you. But these are some of them that that Scripture gives, okay? Um, So Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are one body, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, you do, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. So there's a lot of different gifts there. Um, now we'll jump to 1 Corinthians 12. Sorry, uh, verses 4 to 11. Uh, it's another list of gifts. It, and the, 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 the gifts that are listed uh, are prophecy, our tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, miracles, wisdom, word of knowledge, and teaching, um, and faith. Um, I'm pretty sure that's all of them. Again, they're all listed. I'm not trying to hide any from you. Uh, you guys can dive into them this week. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, it looks at equipping gifts or leadership gifts, um, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Um, and so um, thinking through these, these gifts listed in Scripture, I did want to look at a couple of them. And think and kind of define uh, a couple of them, uh, but not all of them. So a couple that I want to look at. And these are the ones that would be maybe misunderstood. Um, the first one's prophecy. Um, prophecy often is viewed by people as the ability to tell the future. So it's kind of like um, like psychic palm reader, weird occult vibes. It's not that. The, the majority of prophecy in the Old Testament and the New Testament is not about the future. So it's not um, foretelling, it's forthtelling. So it's calling God's people to something in a moment. Now, often in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the prophecy that's used to do that often, it's not just quoting a verse. Often it is, it's, it's taking what God has already said clearly throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Torah. Uh, the, what the prophets often do is use different analogies or metaphors to bring something that's doctrinally, theologically true and make it vivid. So the prophets often use, um, in the Old Testament, they'll use uh, pictures like, they look at uh, Israel's idolatry and they use the the idea of spiritual adultery, that Israel has cheated on God with other, and that's very visceral when you think about the betrayal of adultery. You think about um, being betrayed in that way, and so it's designed to make people go, whoa, this is serious. 
So, but again, it's not, it's not te- telling the future most of the time. It's, and again, there's some of that stuff, but mostly it's saying, hey, God is good, sin is really bad, idolatry and injustice are terrible, and your nation's defined by them. Turn back to Yahweh. In the New Testament, come back to Jesus. Repent and trust in Jesus. Does that make sense? So, so prophecy, um, and by the way, if you, if you want, there's some great books on this. By the way, it'll never contradict Scripture. The Holy Spirit who inspired Scripture inspires prophecy. Um, and so what you need to know is that it, it's not going to contradict Scripture. Often, again, what it'll do is give a picture that helps illustrate something that Scripture teaches clearly. So it doesn't introduce new doctrines or new ideas about God. It just makes ideas about God that are clear in the Scriptures personal to the person. Uh, example from my life, I, um, I had a, a rough go. I was on a trip, and I was feeling super insecure because I was speaking at a conference in South Africa, the first time I went to South Africa, and there were, I don't know, maybe 14 other people presenting at this conference, and I was so young, and I felt so unqualified to be up there. I feel like Chris Vianon took me as like a favor to like encourage me, like he saw potential, but like I probably didn't match the, C- the ministry CVs on the stage. I was about 15 years younger. Uh, matter of fact, I think Grant Clark's older than me, and he was in, like, the emerging leaders group, and I was in, the, like, the established leaders. Like, and that had, to do, that had to do not with us or our gifting, but with the guys that put us up. So Chris is like, this guy's amazing. And then his guy was like, he's amazing, but he's a new leader. And his church, he was younger. I don't know. But it's not about us. But, but long story short, I felt real insecure. And I'll never forget, man, Meryl Vinon, she just prayed over me. And there was this night where she just was like, I, Andy, I feel like your entire life you've, you've changed your clothes over and over again to, like, fit in with the people you're around. And I just feel like the Lord's calling you to be a lion. And, again, you can interpret that many ways. And she said, you know, by lion, I mean your identity and confidence can be secure. Lions don't spend a lot of time worrying what the other animals think about them. They're just lions, right? And they're, they're free. When they lay down to sleep, they're not worried about another predator getting them. Like, they're confident to just be who they are. Does that make sense? And again, you could go, oh my gosh, she empowered a maniac. Uh, he's going to just eat people now. No, like, like again, it's Meryl, and she's ministering in a way that's like, it's very clear it's about me being secure, not insecure. Insecure people are dangerous to people. Uh, does that make sense? So again, she took something that's true in Scripture, that we can have an unshakable, secure identity in Christ, and just put a picture to it that made me go, okay, I, I grab hold of that at times. I remember, I feel like I cry right now talking about like, no, man, I could be a lion. I'm fine. Does that make sense? Um, uh, we, we had another time. So, so, again, the scriptures determine the who God is and what is true. Um, what prophecy can often do is go the how, the when, the where, all that stuff. So, for example, I've shared this before. Um, in the past, we, we were going to plant Brad Sarian out to plant a church. We thought in Encinitas, which I kind of wish we did because Encinitas is way cooler and fun than the San Fernando Valley. But clearly it's worked out with them up there. I was up there a few weeks ago preaching, and it's, it's going great in a bunch of different ways. And I just remember thinking with Brad, it's too soon for him to plant. And he was thinking secretly, it's too soon to plant. And he didn't want to let me down by saying he wasn't ready. And I didn't want to crush his dreams by telling him he wasn't ready. And we were both at this, we weren't telling each other this. And then there was this gal, Alicia, Alicia Park at the time, Alicia Aiken now. She's in Florida now. But she's a prophetic gift early on in the life of our church. It was really catalytic. And she got a picture of a pregnant woman. And she said, I feel like um, if you give birth too quickly or, or you take too long, it can be dangerous to the life of the mother or the baby. And so we just need to get the timing right. Do you guys think the timing is right to plant this church? So again, the New Testament crystallizes that we're supposed to plant churches. 
and make disciples. But where we should make them, that's more subjective. We need the wisdom of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And I'm so glad we waited and took our time because God has done, did a lot inside of Brad's hearts and his life and his character and his gifting, but also prepared a people that needed a church at the right time in the right place. And oftentimes the place we would pick isn't always the place God would want us to be. Um, so that's prophecy. Um, uh, again, if you want resources on that, I can give it to you. Um, uh, exhortation uh, is the ability to challenge people to follow Jesus. Uh, it's kind of the more in-your-face coaching, not rude or mean, but just like, let's do this, guys. Like, let's, let's get serious about Jesus. Like, let's go for it. Let's actually obey him in this area. It's different than teaching that's like explaining, w- you know, what the commands of Jesus are. And exhortation is like, guys, let's get after it, okay? It's kind of the, the, the pregame speech of obedience. Um, the gift of mercy is really a beautiful version of what our culture calls empathy, um, it's the ability to feel, sometimes even supernaturally, feel what others are going through. Um, so mercy gifts, the downside of the mercy gift is you feel a lot for a lot of people. Um, one time, John Denner, uh, one time he was saying, he, he, he used to talk about separating a burden and a responsibility. Because if you're mercy, you, think, you almost start to think you're responsible for fixing everything in the world. Versus you can feel and see things, but you can't necessarily fix all of it. But you might have mercy um, faith, again, we're all called to have faith. This is another common misconception. Um, but faith is the ability to trust God to do what he promised to do. People with the gift of faith do it pretty naturally, even against all odds. Right? I've had people where it's like our backs are against the wall in the church or the season we're in or in a family, and it's like God's going to take care of us. God's going to do what he said to do. Does that make sense? Um, and by the way, they don't even know how. I've had people who are, um, in my life, very prophetic like, they have pictures. They're like, God is calling us to this future, like this land flowing of milk, you know, with milk and honey. And they don't have faith. They're like, but we're probably going to die in the desert. I'm like, what? And I have other people that are like, I don't know where we're going, but it's going to be good because God's there and he's with us. That's faith to see the difference. Um, um, apostleship uh, is a gift. Apostle, uh, the Greek word for apostle is just, it's, the etymology of it is connected to, again, the Latin word would be missionary. And again, we're not freaked out by missionary, but we're freaked out by the Greek word apostolos. It just means sent one. So again, you send missionaries, you send apostles out to, to often to start new churches or to start new um, uh, like spaces of discipleship. Uh, you go, you're, you're kind of a pioneer um, spiritual gift. Um, And then lastly, I, uh, administration, I, I think people don't think, think, think this one is that sexy or that exciting, um, but it's super important. Uh, I've met people who have gifts of administration, and they're like, oh, man, it's just administration. Like, I want to, like, love people for real. And what I want to say is, is that through administration, you can set up policies and structures that keep people safe, that ensure that good stuff's being taught to people. Uh, does that make sense? So again, uh, administration isn't just I, I count and keep track. Keep, again, I, I do it for a reason. I make sure that people have what they need. Act 6, you see this with the deacons. They're making sure that everyone has what they need. Everyone's getting fed in that case. Does, does that make sense? So if you're here um, and you have the gift of administration, it's a powerful gift that creates space for people to encounter God in the other different ways. Does that make sense? Um, now, here's what I want to say is um, you're going to have that list of definitions of all the spiritual gifts listed in Scripture. Um, I want to encourage you 
to, um, to, to look at that and then even ask people in your gospel community this week, hey, do you see this in me? We had a night in my group, I don't know, maybe three and a half months ago. It was a powerful night where my GC, we kind of did a, excuse me, a version of this. And I, I told my GC, I said, um, imagine we were planting a church and you couldn't lean into other people to bail you out and it was just us. What roles would we play in the new church? Does that make sense? And it was, it was amazing. We had, like a, we had a pastor we didn't know we had. We had a teacher we didn't know we had. We had a mercy gifts, service gifts. We had, a little, we had a little prophet in the house. We had all these people that had these emerging gifts that when push came, if, they had, if, if, if it wasn't someone else doing it, um, they wouldn't be empowered to use their gifts. Okay? So this is an important thing. As you go through and look at the gifts, it's important, though, to, to, to say this. Just because you like something or have a desire for it doesn't mean you're gifted in it. Okay? Again, Romans says, don't think higher of lower of yourself than you ought. Um, again, your gift might not be as, your gift might be stronger than you think, but it might be weaker than you think, or you might not have the gift. And so again, come back to the definition of spiritual gifts. Gifts are designed to serve others and help them experience Jesus' love. If every time you attempt to use this gift, people do not feel served and they don't experience Jesus' love, it might not be you. Now, it may be an, un, an unrefined gift that needs development, and that's okay, but it might just be that it's not a gift you have, right? So, like, um, today, I mean, we had the crew in the back. They're, they're wearing demonic gear. Forget the Enneagram. The Lakers gear back there is painful. But, right, uh, yeah, they're, they are, um, they are uh, welcoming people to church today, right? Hospitality. If, if when, yeah. Which, I don't know if you thought through people that are Celtics fans that don't know Jesus, you could have showed up today and saw that, but we'll talk about it, Okay. They start wearing political hats next, um, but, but, uh, but on a serious note, they do a phenomenal job, and if, if you know, if, if you practice gift hospitality, when people show up, they just want to run away, you probably don't have the gift of hospitality, right? I once went to, I was once forced to go to a lunch at someone's house on a ministry trip I went on, and it was terrifying. I can't get into the details. The food was so bad. Here's what happened. The person who wanted to be hospitable, it was about them showing off. It wasn't about welcoming us, and it got so awkward and weird, okay? So, so again, I would say that person probably doesn't have the gift of hospitality or needs refining. Um, uh, teaching, right? If when you teach, people are more confused than when you started ta- than before you started talking, it might not be the gift. It might be unrefined, but might not be the gift, okay? People are laughing when you want them to cry in the sermon. People are crying when you want them to laugh in the sermon. It's just it's awkward, right? Um, if prophetically, right, like... You feel like you get pictures, and, and every time you share them, people are like, I, I don't think this is it, right? Um, it might not be. Um, again, if, when you do administration, it's more disorganized when you're done. Just you're in charge of it. <laughs> you might just have a control issue. You might not be good at administration. Music, we've all, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So um, there are things that you go, I just don't think this is it. But, and here's the thing. I'm not interested in shaming people about gifts they don't have. Let's try. It's a safe place to try out our gifts. So you're free to fail. Like, like we're, again, these are grace gifts. You're not better or worse if you have the gift. We've got the safety net of grace. We're all going to try. I love it when people step out and try to prophesy. And even if it's not accurate, like they tried to encourage someone with a picture or a scripture. Or um, they step out and, and share the gospel with someone. They evangelize and it doesn't go well. Whatever it is. Like, like that's all worth doing even if you're not proficient yet. But here's what I'm interested in. The, the reason I'm not interested in people pretending people have gifts they don't have is there's gifts they do have that we all need. 
and they, they, they waste time trying to be someone else that they miss out on being the, the unique, amazing, wonderful person God created them to be. And that's what I'm interested in facilitating, is let's, let's figure out what we're not so that we can zoom in on what we are. So three really good tests to figure out if you have a specific gift um, are uh, affinity, affirmation, and opportunity. Affinity is do you like it? Do you want to do it? Do you enjoy doing it? Affirmation is when I attempt to do this, does it build you up? You know, if you ask people, uh, is it affirmed by others outside of you? Hey, when you sing, when you prophesy, when you teach, when you organize, um, when you serve. And then lastly, asking the Holy Spirit, hey, where, are there places, opportunity, are there actually spaces I can use this gift uh, as an important reality? Um, one thing I was going to say, uh, people often will leave churches because the church doesn't reflect what they're all about. And sometimes, like, your gift can be squandered, but sometimes it's like, dude, it sounds like you need to use your gift and help the church grow in the area where they're weak because you're passionate about it and you're gifted to do it. Does that make sense? Now, again, if, if leaders bristle at you and go, yeah, right, we're never going to be that kind of church, that's one thing. But if like, dude, we would love it if you could help us with that. We agree. I'm not that. Sounds like you are. Let's get after it, right? So a lot of times you have people that are like, well, I'm all about prayer. I'm about it. I pray without ceasing out loud. I prophesy nonstop. I, listen to, I only listen to worship music in my car or it's silent contemplation, right? I pray through my phone every day. I just pray through every contact on my phone. Like, they, they're killing it with prayer. I mean, I'm exaggerating someone, but, like, they genuinely, like, care about prayer. They're care prayers. Care prayers stare, right? It's all there. And they're like, I want to go to church takes prayer. Seriously, it's like, no, help us be, have a culture of prayer. Don't go hang out with a bunch of other people who are just like you. It's like, oh, I just want to around, you know, people who are just like me, who are into hardcore doctrine or justice or prayer. It's like, no, bring that here. Like, we, let's do that together. Wish the church was more organized. Yeah, me too. Let's do it together. <laughs> bring your spreadsheets. Let's get down to business. I'd kill for a policy. A new one. I've got a few. Okay. Number four, all the gifts are important. All the gifts are important. This is true of um, when you think through right now, uh, right now it's NBA playoffs, controversial stuff going on last night, a lot happening. Um, it is what it is. That being said, um, good teams, people play different roles, and they're all necessary, right? Um, if someone tries to do something they're not, it gets real bad real quick, right? Um, Eric Laybourne has watched Warriors teams where Steph and Clay were hurt. And Draymond Green is, is trying to get things going on offense. Pre-Jordan Poole. It's not a good picture. It's not a pretty picture, okay? Um, I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, the cartoon X-Men, right? Everyone had like a power, right? Yeah, it was a great show. There's love for it. I don't know where that came from. But they all had different powers, right? They all had the same powers. Like, we don't need each other. It's like we all can have claws come out. It's like, I don't need that right now. I need someone to bring a storm to the table, all right? Um, again, we, we have different functions. And this is where Paul... A better analogy is the biblical one. I should have used it in the first place. The body, okay? If we were just a, like, imagine, like, imagine you're, you're just 5,000 hands. That's your body. It's weird, right? It's like a coral wreath, maybe, but weirder, right? It's just the same, whatever. It's the same thing, right? Again, we, we, the brain does something that the hands don't do. The hands do something that the eyes don't do, and on and on it goes. And so, um, the different roles are necessary to accomplish the function of keeping the body going. Without the heart, you get in trouble. Without the head, you get in trouble. Without the hands, you get in trouble. Um, a silly way I've, I've thought about this in the past is if someone, like, spilled a drink, okay? Uh, imagine you're hanging out at, I think it's official, the best brewery in North Park, 
North Park Beer Co. It's they've upped their game a lot, a lot. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, Pure Project, guys, it's it's the aesthetic, which is fine. It's pretty. Uh, the beer is not the same. Um, but imagine you're drinking a beer somewhere, delicious, and you spill the beer. Okay. Now, again, different people are going to react to that incident in different ways, right? You can just imagine teacher walking up, hey, I think you need to figure out proper hand placement for beer holding. Come here, let me show you. Let's pick up that glass and try it out, okay? The prophet, right? You just imagine, God is bringing a new season. You lost this beer. There's fresh beer coming with hops that are better than mosaic, believe it or not. Exhortation, hey man, let's not drop beers anymore, man. I'm not gonna teach you how to do it, but it's time. Let's grow up. This carpet can't take it anymore. Mercy, right? Hey, I just want you to know, man, I know what it's like to spill a beer. I know what it's like to spill a milkshake. <laughs> I've been there. Service, right? Let's get some paper towels. I'll clean this up. So, and some of you guys, you literally, you'll watch people, right, giving. Let me buy you a new beer, man. Hell, you've had a hard day. Let me give you a gift card, right? Now, I know that's silly, but imagine instead, and I thought, I've used this thought exercise before, and it's been helpful to me. Imagine instead someone dies unexpectedly in the church, and imagine that they have a family left behind. This happened to a church we're, really, we're closely connected to where a pastor died, and a wife had been out of, out of, like, working outside of the home for a long time. Her husband dies. There's five kids. Um, you need a lot of help. And you need different gifts, right? You, you would want people with the gift of service to come and help out around the house, maybe help get some things set up. You want people, administrators who are really good with spreadsheets, uh, all jokes aside, to set up meals and childcare and probably maybe help them think through what their life insurance stuff, what their financial stuff looks like, what their possibilities are moving forward, what they need budget wise. You'd want people with mercy, with mercy gifts who aren't telling them what to do or believe, but just to be with them and cry with them and be present to them. In an appropriate way, a mature prophet could encourage, as time went on, with really encouraging words that help them believe Jesus is present and loves them in a personal way when it's hard to see that. People with the gift of giving might help meet financial needs. Teachers down the line and um, shepherds and evangelists, you see them caring for and encouraging and equipping the children as time goes on to help them follow Jesus. So no one's gifts are more important. You guys see that? No one's gifts are more important. You need all these different gifts. Leaders would probably help to try to um, administrate what's happening with all these different people that are needed, rallying people. And so you need to know that um, all the spiritual gifts are important because every human is important. Again, there's wonder and beauty and power, spiritual power inside of you that people need to experience through you. And God has, I don't know why, but God has chosen to see fit that you manifest God's grace in that way in this world, in such a way that only you can. Again, spiritual gifts. Um, the Corinthians, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love chapter, like love is kind, love is patience, all that stuff. It's read at weddings a lot, which is kind of out of context. 
and that, not completely out of context, but kind of out of context. 1 Corinthians 13 is in between 1 Corinthians 12, which we've been reading from, and 1 Corinthians 14, which are all about the exercise of spiritual gifts. And he's saying the way that you use your spiritual gifts is to be loving. They're about the others. They're not about you. They're not about you showing off. Check out. I can speak in tongues. Check it out. Check out this prophecy. Check out this Greek word I know because I'm a teacher. Look at the way I organize this event. You know, whatever it is. Our identity and righteousness don't come from our gifts. They're given to us by Jesus. The gospel says that you have the absolute approval of God in Christ, like Adam talked about earlier. Jesus' righteousness has been given to you as a gift. And God now sees you through the lens of Christ. That's the highest recognition from the most important person in the world. That's not going to go up or down based on you using a gift. But someone else's experience of that might go up if you use your gift. And so lastly, last point, it's a short one, is our role is to figure out what our gifts are and to use them. Our role is to figure out what our gifts are and to use them. I encourage you to try to find out what your gifts are. Again, 1 Peter 4, 10, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the, of the varied grace of God. So different ways that grace manifests through us. I want to ask you, are you stewarding your gift? And to steward it, you got to know what it is. We got to start with like, what is our gift? And so today what I want to do is, um, right now we're going to go into a time of worship, a uh, time of communion, and a time of prayer. Um, it's kind of a unique, um, a unique day in that we're going to take communion together, because then I want to open it up for prayer ministry. We're going to have a time where people will pray for us to receive a spiritual gift, which could happen. By the way, you can get more gifts. Paul says to earnestly desire the gifts. You can get more gifts. They're they're not preset, like that's all you can have. Or at least that's not what the New Testament says. It seems as though you can ask for more gifts and get them. So Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of gifts. Find out what they are, and I want you to want them, okay? And if you don't get the gifts, you're not more important or less loved. Again, that's in Jesus. But if you do get them, it's pretty cool. Like you can bless some people in some pretty unique ways. So I'll call um, the worship team up. And um, I want to come back to this reality again, though, that whatever your gifts are or aren't, that that's not the truest thing about us, and it's not what defines us. It's not where we get our worth or our value from. We're given the gifts because we already have worth and value in the eyes of Jesus. We're already righteous. We're already reconciled to the Father, and we were reconciled to the Father in a very specific way. We were given access to the Holy Spirit in a very specific way, an access that the saints in the Old Testament didn't have. And it's through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. So right now I'm going to go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you that you came for us. Thank you that you call us into an abundant life and an adventure. Thank you that you are transforming us from the inside out to become the people you designed us to be originally. Before the curse, before the fall, before sin, before pain, before trauma, before woundedness, there's a unique us that we all get to meet, that you already know, that reflects Jesus perfectly but maintains our identity. Like we're us, but we're us like Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that is through our gifts. And so, Jesus, we thank you for coming and dying to reverse the curse to remove the scarring and the marring, to bind up 
the brokenhearted, to heal the wounded, to forgive sinners, that we might become the people you've always longed for us to be. The people will be forever. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Your body was broken, your blood was shed, that we might be cleansed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.